Hi, and welcome to Reasoning Together with Dan and Amy Perkins. I'm Dan, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Amy, and this is our first ever full-length podcast, and so we thank you so much for joining us, and what this podcast is, is this is just me and my wife opening the scriptures and reasoning together. We just take a topic or a text, and we just take it as deep as we could possibly go with it, and so we want to thank you guys for joining us today, and so today we're going to be discussing uh, Acts chapter 17, which uh, has had a profound impact on Amy and myself, and it was actually the um, foundational verse for us wanting to do this podcast and how we even came up with a name for the podcast. And so um, this chapter in the Bible has had a great impact on us, and so we hope it will have an impact on you as well. And so uh, let's just get right into it with Acts chapter 17. Yeah, I know. I've always really loved this chapter. It's always been one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Um, But this chapter really started standing out to me the other year when we had a connection group at our house and we were going through the book of Acts. And when we got to this chapter, we all had really great conversation around it and around the way Paul interacted with the culture and the way he presented the gospel. And so it was really edifying for us. And so I thought it would be um, a really great topic for our first podcast, because like you said, this is what actually inspired the name for our podcast. Yeah, it really is. I remember that uh, the connection group that we had at our house, and we did have some really, really good conversations uh, regarding Paul and the way he interacted um, with different people groups and, uh, you know, the, his approach in coming to the Jewish people in the synagogues and then also to the Greeks uh, in Athens. And so uh, let's just look at Acts chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now when they had passed through Amph- Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where they where there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And so I just really um, you know, loved his approach with this, especially from the uh, Jewish perspective, because he came to the Jews, um, he came to the Jewish people in their synagogues where they were, um, as was his custom. He went in there and he reasoned with them from what we would consider the Old Testament scriptures. He was showing and proving that Jesus was the Messiah, was their Christ. He was he was the one who was um, you know to come and to rescue them and to uh, free them from sin and death. And he showed them that from the Old Testament scriptures. He went through and he proved it with them. And he was actually there for uh, three weeks. It says that he reasoned with them for three Sabbath days. So that was three Saturdays that he was there with them. And so he spent a lot of time with them, uh, reasoning from the scriptures and showing them and just going through different passages and showing how all of this was fulfilled in the purpose or in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, this is just a great example of coming to people on their level using things that they know um, in order to preach the gospel and to show that Jesus is who he says he is and he accomplished what he said he accomplished. And so I think that that was a a really cool thing um, to really glean from that. Yeah, I like how much time he put into it. I mean, three weeks, that's a long time, you know, to spend with people and continue to reason with them and show them things and talk with them. And so I just really love Paul's heart that 
this was a priority for him, you know, Mm -hmm. spending time with people and going through the scriptures with them and helping them understand. And like you said, he used what they know. So he used their background and he used that as a platform in order to show them who Christ really was. And then in Acts 17, verse 16, we see Paul uh, coming to the Greeks and he was in Athens. And when he was there, it says that he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And so he began to reason with them with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace with anyone who happened to be there. And so again, we see Paul, you know, coming to a people, he sees a need and he sees their background. Like if you keep reading, it says that he walked around and he carefully considered, you know, what was going on. And it says that he saw that they were very religious, that they had altars to unknown gods. And so he used that as a way to start to speak to them about Christ. You know, he says, I carefully considered as I walked around and I saw that you're very religious. And he said, but I see that you have an altar to an unknown God. So let me tell you about the one you're actually really worshiping. And so he used their culture. He got an idea for who these people really were before he actually opened his mouth and started to speak to them regarding Christ and regarding the scriptures. And so again, that just takes time That is something that takes careful consideration. It's not something that you just walk in and just start spouting off ideas or what you think or anything like that. But Paul really took time and really considered these people before he started to speak to them because he wanted to reach their hearts. Yeah, what we really see is is there wasn't a one-size-fits-all formula. Uh, you know, the gospel stayed the same. So it was he preached the same gospel, but he used different um, methods in order to come to, to be able to do that, right? And so what we see is is he wasn't just handing out one tract fits all type of situation. He was really gumming the people on their level, uh, using things that they would understand in order to use that as a platform to preach Christ. And so that's what really you know sticks out to me in these passages is that when he went to the Jewish people in the synagogues, he reasoned with them from their scriptures. He sh- he was proving that Jesus was their Messiah from their scriptures. And when when, when he went to Athens, he actually used their idols in order to mm-hmm. preach the gospel. And like I think that's pretty profound. I mean, I wonder what it would look like today in America if we tried to do that. If we use that approach, you know what I mean? Instead of um, just all out bashing culture, why don't we use that as a way in order to present Christ? Yeah, I find it really interesting that he didn't use their idols to condemn them, but he used their idols to you know, talk to them about Christ. Like he looked at that and he considered that and he thought, how can I use this as a way to introduce these people to Jesus? I just, I think that's, you know, really profound. It takes, that's very wise, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I just wonder like, how different could things be if we all took that approach? If we all took a step back when we saw something that greatly distressed us, it says he was greatly distressed by all the idols he saw. If we go in somewhere or we come to a people or we just interact with people and we see something that distresses us, that bothers us or whatever, you know, if we just took a step back for a minute, and considered this other person, considered their background, and considered how can I come to this person in a loving way, in a way that they would receive maybe what I have to say, you know, kind of let their guard down rather than put it up. Right. 
Yeah, if he would have came to them and would have told them how wrong they were for all these things, you know, and right. just, you know, started out that way. Nobody's going to listen. Nobody was going to listen, right? <laughs> Their the guards would be up. But, you know, as it, as it was, is that Paul used that um, as, as an entrance into presenting the gospel. And some people were like, hey, listen, we want to listen to what you want to say. Um, come back again. We we would like to hear more. Others just called him a babbler, you know. Mm-hmm. But but still, I think you know we can debate Paul's success in this. But I think what he did was he modeled for us a way in which uh, we as believers can engage with the culture in order to present Christ to them. Mm-hmm. And so I really really like that. And you know it, it really goes back to God's approach with us, like coming down and, and meeting people where they are on their level in order to reason with them, right? Because God says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. And so God is, you know, he condescends down to us on our level. He comes to our level. And we see that ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ, right? Like Jesus was, he's the eternal son. So he's the second person of the Trinity, the second person of the Godhead. But in order to engage with us and to interact with us, he takes on flesh and he comes down and he comes and engages with a particular people in a particular time in a particular culture, right? And so we see that in the life of Jesus Christ, like he was willing to humble himself in Mm -hmm. order to come down and engage with us on our level. And I just think that that's so important for us to remember as Christians, like, you know, if Christ hadn't done that, we would be nothing right now. You know, Mm -hmm. like the humility in Christ, the son of God, to be able to do that should cause us to take a step back and humble ourselves and say, how are we really engaging with people and how are we really engaging with culture? Yeah, I mean, if anyone had a right to come and condemn anybody, you would think it would be God himself, right? Right. (laughs) But you see Jesus so gracious with people, and you see him interacting with people differently, just like Paul did. You know, he interacted differently with a religious person like Nicodemus than he did with the woman at the well who had like five husbands or, you know what I mean? But he interacted differently with her. He didn't come condemning her, but again, he used her background, he used her past as a way to introduce her to himself. And so it's just like how Paul says, like in Corinthians, like, you know, like I become all things to all people in hopes that I might win some. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of Acts 17, it doesn't say he won everybody over, but it says a few people became followers. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's that's what it's about. You know what I mean? Like it's worth it to put that kind of time and effort into winning a few or getting to the hearts of a few people. Right. It really is. And, you know, really the biblical way of engaging culture is so countercultural yeah. right now. <laughs> to how re- we're actually doing it. <laughs> right. It really is. Like when we look at the way that Jesus approached people when we, and, and the way he talked to people and the way Paul approached people and the way Paul talked to people and what we see, you know, happening right now. Uh, it, it is just it's so countercultural to all that. It's so countercultural to, to the outrage that we see and to the fighting and the bickering and everything that we else we see going on. And so, I really think it's time that we just take a step back and say, "Hey, listen, how are we doing this? Why are we doing this?" I think the why is is really big. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how can we take a more biblical, humble? 
approach to Mm -hmm. engaging culture, even when we are in direct opposition with culture? Do you know how Mm. can we how can we engage it in a way that will win some for Christ? And so that's what we see here happening in Acts chapter 17. And so really, it, um, it should bring us back to a more biblical approach and engaging culture and maybe, you know, not engaging in ways on Facebook and uh, all, social media and everything else, um, you know, not engaging in yelling arguments and all cap letters and, and doing things like that. You know, we're engaging with people that are made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important for us to remember, like in such a polarized society that we live in right now, what we're seeing is, is that Christians are now viewing um, other people as the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so instead, we view each other as the enemy, <laughs> right? Even even within <laughs> and Christians, <believers>. yeah, within <laughs> Christians and different denominations and everything. But what what we're what we have to remember is that every single person that is walking on this earth right now is made in the image of God, and because of that, they are they are automatically assigned worth, dignity, and respect. Because they're, they're, they are made in the image of God. And we need to uphold that even in our conversations, even when we strongly disagree with somebody, even when they're living a completely sinful or immoral lifestyle, they're, but they're still made in the image of God. And the approach that we take with them should reflect that um, biblical uh, value. And I think it's like what you said, too. Like, you know, the question is why? Like, why are we reacting or interacting with people the way that we are. You know what I mean? Like if we as Christians really understand our place, Mm. you know what I mean? Like if we really understand that we're actually no better than anybody else and that the only reason we're even in Christ and saved and maybe living a different kind of life is because God so graciously (laughs) saved us and put his Holy Spirit in us and has empowered us to do so. But before that, we were the same. We were living just like everybody else was, you know, and so we're no better than anyone. And so, but sometimes I think we forget that, you know, we kind of get into church for so long or we've been a Christian for so long, we kind of forget what it's like and we kind of forget that, hey, I'm actually on the same ground as everybody else. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus covering me, I'd be no better and I'd be in the same position. And so, again, it's going back to that humility piece. Like, where is our humility? And do we really understand our true condition and what Christ has done for us? Right. It's like the saying, but for the grace of God, there go I, right? Right. So, I mean, really, we have to remember we were just as lost. We were, you know, sure. just as <laughs> we were just as separated uh, as, as, as anybody. And if you would have looked at us... Back in the day, (laughs) you would have never thought there would have been any hope for us. Right. You know what I mean? And so we have no idea who we're even talking to. We have no idea what plans God may have for this person. I mean, if you would have looked at us and some people remember us from back in the day, you would never in a million years think we would be where we are today. Right. And so you don't know what God has planned for somebody. And so to treat them as not made in the image of God is to treat them as you know, any different is really coming from a wrong motive, you know what I mean? Or a wrong heart, Heart. you know? Yeah. And absolutely. And, and, you know, the other thing that, you know, really I think trips a lot of people up is, is that they don't know why they believe what they believe. Mm. You know, a lot of times, um, arguments or lashing out or, you know, condemnation and things like that come when, when Mm. our worldview is challenged and we have such a shallow 
worldview or a shallow understanding of our faith that anytime it, it comes under attack or anytime anybody challenges it, our natural reaction, because we don't understand or know why we believe what we believe is to to react out of like an insecurity because um, we were just maybe told this is what we believe, but we weren't told why we believe it or we never... Um, or maybe never experienced it for yourself. Yeah, maybe never even experienced it for ourselves. And this is just how we've always done it or this is what I've always believed just because I was told to believe this way. And so when it gets challenged, um, you know, people have a hard time mm-hmm. with that and they have a hard time engaging with that because mm-hmm. they're very self is what's being attacked. Mm. You know what I mean? That's what they feel like, that their very identity is what's being attacked and Mm. they don't have a reason for why they believe what they believe and they're not able to do that. And so a lot of times people will just react out of that and that's um, really like should challenge us to go deeper and stronger Mm -hmm. in our our faith. Like Paul was, in every situation that Paul interacted with people, he knew the gospel. He He knew the scriptures. Well, he knew Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Like he just didn't know about him. He knew him. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's a big difference. And so when you know Jesus, you can go into any context, you can go into any culture, and you can you can engage with it in a biblical manner and not, you know... You're a lot more secure. A lot more secure. And, you know, you, you exhibit, when you know Jesus, you exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> All right? What are those again? (laughs) You know, love, peace, patience, kindness, long suffering, you know, self control, self control, (laughs) like all those things. Like it, it doesn't really come across as being an option for Christians to have the fruit of the spirit. Right. Like if you're if you're being led by the spirit, if you have the spirit of God living inside of you, you're going to bear the fruit of the spirit like that. It's just a natural outworking of having the indwelling spirit inside of you. And so, you know, I think if if we took the time to know Jesus personally, Mm -hmm. then a lot of these things would just be the natural outworking of who we are. And not something that we have to try to put a front on for, not something that we have to try to clean ourselves up and, you know, try to do. It's not something that we'll have to, you know, fake it till we make it. It's just who we are, right? It's just who we are. And so um, and so that's what I see Paul doing here. Paul is confident in he his is. relationship, he's right? He's, but he's also humble in his relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. He knew he knew he was the worst of sinners. I mean, if you read some of the things that Paul wrote about himself, you know, he knew who he was before he met Christ mm-hmm. and he, he never forgot. He never forgot. He knows that it's by grace he's been saved. Right. And so he walks in that confidence of who Jesus Christ is and who he is in Christ. And so even when he got distressed in his spirit, it still didn't cause him to lash out. You know, it still didn't cause him to go on Facebook and do it. <laughs> write 15, them nasty letters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or yell at people and say, you know, you're just a, an evil sinner and you're destined to go to hell. And, you know, he, he never mm-hmm. he never did things like that. He just engaged mm-hmm. him. He said, he says, hey, I see that you're religious. Yeah. He even commended them for yeah. something before he went into well, let me tell you what I see, or let me tell you about Jesus. Right. He actually commended them. He didn't for say something. you dirty pagans, or you know whatever, right. <laughs> you know you sinful pagans. Filthy you know, idols. <laughs> like he didn't do that, and so, but he said he commended them for being religious, and said, mm-hmm. you know what? But I see that you have uh, an idol here to an unknown God. Now let me tell you about who He really is, mm-hmm. and he used that as as his entrance way um, into preaching and presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so hopefully, you know, this could, you know, be encouraging to maybe dig into the scriptures a little bit more, maybe look what is a biblical model for interacting with the culture? You know, how are we as Christians to, I don't want to say behave, but, you know, how are we to act? How are we to engage? What does God call us to? And so, you know, hopefully this could be edifying to the people listening to, you know, just consider things a little bit more or maybe take a step back before you engage with somebody and consider the person on the other side, you know, take that step back of humility Mm -hmm. and you know, consider this person that they are made in the image of God, regardless of what they're doing or into or whatever. And remember, hey, I was once that person, you know, and kind of put yourself back in those shoes. And I think it would help us to interact a whole lot differently, you know, or approach people a whole lot differently. Yeah. And and using that same approach, even with believers who might think a little bit differently, (laughs) who may come from a different kind of persuasion of Christianity Mm -hmm. than you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but yeah, so this is us. This is reasoning together. This is us just opening up the Bible um, and discussing it. And so hopefully you've heard something today that's going to challenge your faith a little bit, that's going to cause you to dig deeper, um, that may may cause you to think a little bit differently. And so um, thank you so much for joining us. And we hope you'll join us next time as we reason together from the scriptures.